We're going to read the first 26 verses of Matthew 10. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Libius, whose surname is Thaddeus, which is another name for Judas, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve sent out, he sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go in the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics or two sandals or staffs, for the worker is worthy of his food. Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who it is worthy and stay there until you go out. And when you go to a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear the words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than that city. Behold, I send you out as sheep amongst wolves. Therefore, be wise and as serpents, and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how you or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you shall speak. It is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now, brother will deliver up brother to death and father his child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all by, for my name's sake. But he who endures the end will be saved when they persecute you in this city. Flee to another for assuredly, I say to you, you will not have gone through all the cities of Israel before the son of man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough that the disciple be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they call the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for nothing is, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. I just want to say something about this passage or any passage in the Bible. I hope it dawns on you when you pick up your Bible that the words that you're reading in the Bible are right from God. They came right from Him. These are not just a collection of writings of famous men. These are words given to men by God for our sake. And they're speaking directly to us. Amen? 
Now, last week in chapter 9, we discussed the thing that Jesus said to his disciples, pray the Lord of the harvest to send workers. In this chapter, Jesus himself sends forth his own 12 disciples into the field of harvest. What with the difference? He endues them with power to cast out unclean spirits, heal all kinds of sickness, raise the dead, and heal diseases. And Matthew gives us a little bit of insight into the disciples' name. So I did a little word study on each of their names just to see what they mean. And I didn't find everything, but it's really interesting. Simon called Peter. His name means a piece of a rock. It doesn't mean the rock. Okay. Andrew, Peter's brother, means manly. James in Hebrew is Jacobus, the supplanter or schemer. John means the gracious gift of God. Philip means horse lover. Hmm. That's interesting, isn't it? Bartholomew, son of Tholomaeus, also called Nathaniel in the Gospel of John, meaning given of God. James, the son of Alphaeus, James means the same thing as the other James mean. And he was a uh, also called Thaddeus, or in this particular version, Lebuus. Simon the Canaanite, a zealot, really he was a revolutionary zealot, but not like Barabbas. He wasn't a murderer. And then Judas of Iscariot. And Judas, the name Judas means celebrated. When he was born in the Old Testament, when Judas was born to Jacob, it was a name that meant celebrated. Isn't it interesting that the person who betrayed Jesus has a name called celebrated. He must have been really honest looking because the apostles made him the treasurer. (laughs) That always amazes me. Keep in mind, by the way, these powers that they had to go out and do these things came directly from the Lord Jesus through the Spirit of God. And who was among that group? Judas. Judas was among that group. We need to take this as a warning. Because if Judas was endued with the power to heal and cast out demons, he still ended up betraying Jesus. The lesson we need to learn is just participating in Christian work or watching God work around you is not an indicator of belonging to Christ. Listen, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and tasted the heavenly gift and become partakers of the Holy Spirit and tasted the word of God and the powers of the age to come if they will fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Now, much to the difference of popular belief, that is not a group of verses telling you that you can lose your salvation. But, It is possible, and I've seen it happen, that there can be a quickening of the soul that falls short sometimes of salvation. You can see the conviction on people's faces, and they still say no when the crucial time comes. Well, they may even profess Christ, and then eventually when persecution or something comes, they said, this is not for me. It's a little confusing to have a ministry like that. Since Jesus said he was never going to let us go. He said he would hold us in the palm of his hand and nothing could snatch us. Not even us from his hand. 
But the real issue then is this. John chapter 10, verses 26 and 27. Here's the reason this happens. Jesus said, but you do not believe, talking to the Pharisees, because you're not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And see, that's the crucial point. He knows them. The Bible says for sure that the Lord knows them that are his. And then John six seventy and 71, he says, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? This he spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. It was the one who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Think about this. If you're depending on anything, other than the blood of Christ and his resurrection for your relationship with God and your assurance of heaven, you're depending on the wrong thing. Talk about that more. So he sends them out to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, he says, don't go in, in a city of Gentile. Don't go in a city of the Samaritans. Go to the lost sheep only of the house of Israel. This includes really all of Israel. They're all lost without Jesus. And they all needed the gospel, and they still need it today. Look, Listen to what Paul said in Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and then also to the Gentile. See, Christ was sending these guys out to present himself as their rightful king in the rightful kingdom. Offering himself as king of Israel, saying to them, the kingdom of heaven is hand. How can the kingdom of heaven be at hand unless the king is there at the same time? Amen? He's got to be Jesus that they had to reject. Meaning right here, right now. Now he says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. The ability and power to do these things is not something innate in anybody It was a free gift. And there were signs in particular to this event at this time. He expects them to depend upon the people they're preaching to for their provisions. What? Yeah. Listen to what Paul says. I mean, Jesus said, don't take money or silver and gold. Don't take a bag of clothes. Don't even take an extra tunic or sandal or staff. Why? Well, he says, because the worker is worthy of his food, meaning provisions. And so he's sending them out with absolutely nothing. (laughs) Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 7 through 12. Who goes to war at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk of the flock? Do I say these things as a mere man, or does not the law say also, as it is written in Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he treads out the grain? Is God care really about oxen? No, he doesn't say it altogether for our sakes, but for the sakes, no doubt, that this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of this hope. If we have been sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing that you sow material things to us, he says? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we've not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel. What's he saying here? 
If a person serves you by sowing spiritual things to you, he should be paid material things. Being a preacher, particularly a pastor, is hard work. We don't keep nine to five hours like most of you. But I'll tell you something, some of the hours we do keep, you wouldn't want. Being called to a house at midnight and staying there till two, or being called to somebody's bedside while they die. You wouldn't like that, those hours. You know, I'm always amazed at Rod. Where is he? Oh, there he is. He's being paid for one job when he's actually doing two. It amazes me, you know, the senior pastor in any church should train up the associates and other men to learn how to shepherd the flock of God. But we work hard at it. It's a spiritual burden, and I'll tell you when it gets depressing. It gets depressing when we do everything we can to build Christ into the lives of his people and see them turn and walk away from him sometimes. That hurts deeply. Now, let's go back to this ministry they have. He instructs them, when they go into a town, inquire who's worthy. This is referring to a person who is godly, generous, a well-known, good reputation, who responds positively to the disciples' message. It says, when you enter a house, greet that house, and if the household is worthy, same definition, let your peace be upon it. And... If it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And then he says, if whoever will not receive you or your words, leave and shake the dust off your feet as a sign of the rejection of the gospel has brought condemnation to that house. How much condemnation? Well, he goes on to say, let me tell you what it's going to be like for that household or that person. It would have been better, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah would actually get better treatment than that person for rejecting the king. You see, the Sodom was destroyed with the same substance that composes, according to the book of Revelation, the lake of fire. Brimstone fire. Now, for all of us, Again, remember, he sent these people only to Israel. But for the rest of us, he gives some some commendation here. Listen to what he says. You're being sent out like sheep in the middle of wolves. Be wise as serpents. A serpent is very cunning and careful (laughs) and stealthy. But to be harmless as doves. What does that mean? Well, it simply means this. A dove was used as a sign of the Holy Spirit coming down to anoint Jesus. Now, that was not a literal dove. It was the Holy Spirit. Okay? But the entrance of the Holy Spirit comes harmless and gentle. So we need to be the same way. Wise as serpents. Be crafty. Understand people. There's nobody good period, but be harmless as doves. Then he says, beware of men. Oh, which men? All men. 
Beware of men. They'll be treacherous. They'll deliver you to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. They'll bring you before governors and kings for for Christ's sake, and they'll be a testimony to them and even a testimony to the Gentiles. But when you deliver you up, don't worry about what you will speak, he says. It is not you who will speak, but the Spirit of your Father who will speak. In Matthew 20, 10, 21 there, he said, Now brother will deliver brother to death, father his child. Children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all hmm. for his sake. You see, the one who endures to the end will be saved. He's not talking up here about you got to hang in there in order to be sure you're saved. You're saved by trusting Jesus Christ. He's talking to his missionaries here right now. He says endurance is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is real to you and you're willing to give up your life for him, you will stay the course in face of anything. He said, assuredly, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now, my friends, this is not end times preaching, okay? Please don't confuse this with end times preaching. This is a specific event in the ministry of Christ while he was on earth. And it was his intention to visit every city in Israel. And that's why he told them, don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans. I've got to offer myself to Israel first. Remember, the gospel is for the Jew first and also the Gentile. He talks here about what it really means for them to be real disciples. And he says, you know, what is a disciple? Well, the Greek word is mathetes. And it means a learner, a pupil, a student. That's what it means. But the disciple is not supposed to be above his teacher. In other words, he says this. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and a servant like his master if they called the master of the house Beelzebub. How much more will he call those of his household? Beelzebub is a word meaning the dung god or the ruler of demons, meaning Satan. So how much more, he says, will they call you that? Christ is hated by the world. Only those whose hearts have been softened by the Holy Spirit will come to Jesus. It may sound like a frustrating ministry, folks, and sometimes it is. But when you keep going and going and keep on going against all opposition that comes from outside the church and inside the church, you're blessed. Because you're doing His will. Are you real? I want you all just to relax a minute. I'm going to tell you a story. Up in the northeast, close to the coast, there was a church that had a special speaker coming in. A man well known. I don't know what his name was. It's a true story. Who was a good preacher. And they invited him to come in. And he told this story. He said there was a man who lived by the shore of the Atlantic. And he and his son had a, a fairly... Uh, good craft that they would go out in a boat, that they would go out and fishing. And they loved to go fishing. And one day the little boy, his son, asked if he could bring one of his friends along. He said, sure. So they went out on the water. 
And they were having a good time fishing, so much so that they didn't notice that there was a storm blowing in pretty quickly. So windy that the waves were starting to rock the boat really bad and, and crushing against the side of it. And at one point, as, as he turned to try to get back to shore, a wave blasted into the side of that boat, and both boys were thrown out of the boat. The only thing he had was one of those lifesavers, you know, those big white lifesavers you see on the side of a ship with a rope on it. And he looked out, and he could see both boys bobbing in the waves, getting further and further away from him. And he grabbed the lifesaver, and he threw it to his son's friend. And he dragged him in and he looked to see if he could see his, still see his son and his son had slipped below the water and died. When they got back to shore, the little boy asked him, why did you save me and not your own son? And here's what he said. My son is a Christian. I hate to have not to be able to save him, but he's with Jesus right now. And he told me, you're not a Christian. And if I had let you go, you would have gone to hell. Well, after he preached that sermon, a man came up to him, a young man who had been invited to church that day, and he, kind of a skeptic, and he walked up and he said, well, preacher, that's a nice story, but obviously it's not true. He says, oh, yes, it's very true. He said, well, how do you know? He said, because I was that boy that he saved. Can you say that? No, I mean, can you really say it in your heart? I'm not asking if you had some five-year-old profession of faith. I'm asking you now, today, can you say, I'm that person he saved. I'm that person he threw the, the, the salvation lifesaver to. Because Jesus is that lifesaver. You might be a, a teenager here today. Or a child and say, you know, I want to be that person that Jesus saves. You might be an adult, a man or a woman. Can you say, I'm that boy, I'm that girl, I'm that man, I'm that woman who he saved? Can you? Some of you, yes. Some of you, doubt. Some of you, plainly, no. Oh. I want to read some scriptures and I'm going to close with this. With these scriptures. And I want you just to think about these scriptures. I'm not going to preach on them. I'm just going to read them. It's a series of scriptures that demonstrate the love of God to us. Listen. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he, God, made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might be the righteousness of God in him. Romans 8.3 What the law could not do... Though it was weak in the flesh, God did, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And because of sin, but He condemned sin in the flesh. Isaiah 53, 10 and 11. It pleased the Lord to bruise Him. That verse right there just blows my mind. How did God feel about His Son dying? It pleased Him to kill Him. Wow. Putting Him to grief. 
When you see his soul as an offering for sin, he will see it. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor agony of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many for he will bear their iniquities. John 19.30, Jesus had received the sour wine. He cried out, it is finished, it is fully paid. And he bowed his head and died and gave up his spirit. John 5.24, I love this verse. Most assuredly, I say to you, and your King James says, truly, truly, and that's okay. I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has everlasting life and will never come into judgment, but has already passed from death to life. And this verse you know well. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved, put your name there, the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And John three eighteen. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I've I've talked to some of you, different ones. You know, are you saved? Are you following the Lord? I'm trying. I'm really trying. You think that little boy that got lost on the ocean didn't try to swim against the current? Did it do him any good? No. Didn't do the other little boy any good without that lifesaver. Right? What about you? Are you trying? Well, stop. Just stop trying. And rest in the finished work of Jesus. I guarantee you, Every time you open the Bible, you can take every verse and every promise personally as your own. I love James Niffen sends me scriptures every day. I don't know where he gets them. They're kind of random. <coughs> and I always they always are pick-me-ups for me when he does it because I read them and I go, man, it's right in the middle of the day. I, I open my phone and there's these pictures. <coughs> I mean, these scriptures. And I'm going, Lord, thank you for sending these. James, not not that I'm not, not thanking you, but I know that they're coming from the Lord. That's how powerful the Word of God is. That's what Jesus sent his people out to do. That's what Jesus is sending you and me out to do. Don't worry about the words you're going to speak. Just Get to know Jesus so well. Get to know his word so well. The Holy Spirit will bring that stuff out of you in an amazing way. And you wouldn't even imagine. When I went to see my friend Jack, he said, I sat down on the couch by his bed or the chair. He said, what brings you here? I said, I have come because God sent me to pray for you and to give you good news. Now, what's wrong with that introduction? <laughs> I mean, people are kind of shocked by it. He goes, good news? Well, tell me. Always, people always want to hear good news, don't they? I told him the good news of Jesus. And then I read that scripture and then I prayed for him. And I'll tell you something. I have no idea what happened. Guess what? I can't save that man. I can't save any of you. My job, if you want to call it a job, it's a, it's a fun thing to me, is to get up, tell you what God said, 
expand on it a little bit or expose it more to you and leave the Holy Spirit to dealing with it. But you need to deal with him too. You need to do business with God. Let's pray. Father, we seek you. We are awed and amazed at the way you have treated us. Lord, we don't have to worry about whether or not you'll save us. Paul tells us you already saved the chief. So it must be simple for us to just simply roll our sin over and let you have it and realize you already took it. And then look at you risen from the dead, powerful advocate at the right hand of God. And knowing full well that those of us who have trusted in the blood and work and person of your son Jesus will never, ever, ever be condemned for our sin. Oh, we're still sinning. Lord, we know and we grieve about it. But we're justified by you. Thank you so much for your gospel. Amen.